Welcome to Passion Church. For more information about Passion Church, please visit us online at www.passionchurch.tv. Now let's join the service already in progress. months ago to ask me what was my text uh, for the sermon today, and uh, I didn't text anything back, and finally he texted me again, and I said, I don't know. I said, you must get your sermons five months in advance, and um, when I was getting ready, actually, I, I preached a sermon in a sermon series in our church uh, called Are You There Yet? We just finished that up, but when I was preparing the, the second part of that series, the Lord told me as I got that sermon for my church that this was a word for you guys today. I believe God has a word for you today, and I want you to turn with me to Luke chapter 15. We're going to look at verse 31 and 32. If you don't mind, stand with me as we read the word of God. If I could give a title to this sermon today, I guess that I would call it, If You Get Lost Along the Way. Let me say that again. If you get lost along the way. Let me read to you real quick. And it says in Luke chapter 15, verse 31, My son, the father said, You are always with me, and everything I have is yours. But we had to celebrate and be glad because this brother of yours was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found. Let's pray. God, we thank you for the word that we're about to receive. Open every heart and every mind to receive, God, what you've got in store. And I pray today not one, not one would leave this house the same way that they came. But, Lord, today as we leave, that your spirit would speak to our minds and to our hearts, that we would go out to the highways and to the byways and carry the wonderful gospel of Jesus Christ. In Jesus' mighty name, amen. And amen. As you're being seated, turn around, shake someone's hand, and tell you, glad I'm having the house of the Lord. To be honest with you, I thought that I had to preach two sermons today. So that means I can go twice as long. <laughs> Praise be to God. Woo, I've already planned it out now. I'm going to do two hours worth of preaching. Y'all ready for it? If you, get, if you see some kids walk out, that would be my kids because they don't care. It is good to have my wife, Miss Laurie, right here. And I won't go into the story what he was talking about. Let's just say my wife, she preached a while back for us on, on Mother's Day. And, and uh, being the godly woman she is, she had a slip of tongue and cussed right in the middle of service. So that's really why I'm here today. I've been kicked out of my other church, and I'm trying out here. Praise God. It's my wife. She handicaps me every single time. Then I've got my three wonderful kids here, Austin. In fact, Austin is going to be at Southwestern University. He'll be starting. Woo! Oh, no, no. He's just working on the maintenance crew. I don't know what y'all are thinking. He's not. He's starting college. And then I've got my daughter, Abigail, here, and then Avery here. So glad to have my kids and my family here today. But let's go and get started in the Word of God. And we all know this passage. You all know the story of the prodigal son. 
We've heard it over and over again. And when the Lord began to speak this word to me, I want to share it with you today, and I want to give it, uh, I guess, a, a little twist or a little turn. Now, we know the story. The Bible tells us that a younger son comes to his father one day, and, and he says to him, Dad, I want my inheritance. Now, let's begin to really say what the son was saying. Dad, you're not dying fast enough. I wish you would hurry along, kick the bucket, get out of here. The Bible says that the, the father gave his son. In fact, the Bible action, this is important. The Bible says that the father divided the inheritance between his son, the younger son and the elder son. We know the story. The, the Bible says that the younger son goes to a foreign land. When he gets there, he squanders the money on uh, wild and reckless living. And then the Bible tells us that he finds himself in the middle of a pig pen, feeding the pigs. And, and what's even worse than that, the Bible begins to tell us that he begins to stare at the pig as they're eating the pods, and he begins to desire the food that they're having. Now we know that the Bible says that he, and remember this part, that the son comes to his senses. He says, my servants, or my father's servants, have it better than I do. And the Bible says that he went back home, that his father sees him coming, embraces him, welcomes him back, has a big party, and we think everything would be great, but then the Bible says that the older son gets there, finds out that his son, his brother is home, and he gets mad, and you all know the rest of the story. Now we understand as we begin to read in this passage what that is referring to and what it is talking about. The son or the younger son symbolizes the lost. The older son symbolizes that, that self-righteousness. You know what we're talking about. Those who, who think they're perfect and, and know everything and haven't done any wrong. Any, any of you like that today, raise your hand. I didn't think you would. In fact, you'd be more willing to raise your hand to the lost than to be the self-righteous, wouldn't you? And then the, the father would symbolize God or, or Christ. Now, I, I want to take a little a different detour today. And as I talk to you about this, something that God has laid upon my heart. And, and my first point today is I want you to, to write this down. You'll get there when you get there. Write that down. You'll get there when you get there. It says in Luke chapter 15, verse 11, Jesus continued, There was a man who had two sons. The younger one said to his father, Father, give me my share of the estate. So he did divide it between them. Now, as we see here, I told you about the, the younger son who wanted it right then. He, he wanted his inheritance. He wasn't willing to wait. He wanted God to give it to him right then. Now, we know that this symbolizes the loss, but, but I want to put a little different take on it today. When I begin to read that passage, something that God began to lay in my, upon my heart is being impatient. Anybody here impatient? You just, I, I'm in pain. I, I, I'll be, pro, pro, listen, I'll be honest with you. I'm not a very patient person. I'm one of those that I want it right then. And, you know, the other day I was getting out of my car and my leg kind of got stuck and I couldn't get out. And, and I'm trying to get out of the car and finally I get out of the car and I'm in the middle of a parking lot and I'm like, ugh. And I'm kicking my leg and I'm mad because, I, you know, I, I'm just impatient. Anybody else like that? I'm not the only person that's not completely sanctified in here, Amen. There's some others. And the Lord began to, to lay upon my heart as we, as we begin to talk about that, as we, we look at this passage, that there are many of us today that 
not so much lost in the essence of not being saved, not having our lives right with Christ, but we become impatient. God maybe has made you a promise. Maybe God has, has shared something with you. Maybe God years and years ago said, maybe through a, a person in the church, maybe in your spirit, maybe through a pastor, even a prophet, maybe God spoke something, a promise that was to come, and it still hasn't come yet. You ever been there? I've been there before. Years ago, God spoke a promise in my life, and little would I know the detour or the, path, the, the, the long path that I would have to go to get there. Now listen, God has kept his promise. God will always keep his promises. If he said he's going to do it, he's going to do it. So how do I deal with being impatient? How do I overcome that? The first way is, is know the process. How many know there's a process? To every single thing. One thing we talk about at Falls Point Church all the time when I talk to my staff is there's, there's three things to, to a great church. You've got to have a purpose. You've got to have people, but you've got to have a process. And at most times we, we, we got a purpose. Many times we've even got the people, but most of the time we don't know the process. Listen, God is going to take you through a process. You're not going to wake up one day and be, you know, Stephen Furtick. We were listening to Stephen Furtick on the way down here. I love to listen to Stephen Furtick. I, he reminds me so much of myself. And, you know, as I'm watching him, and I'm, you know, as what God has done in his life, it, it was a process for him to get there. We need to understand there's a process. It says in Romans chapter 5, verse 3, not only so, but we also glory in our sufferings. Because we know that suffering produces perseverance, perseverance, character, and character, hope. And hope does not put us to shame because God's love has been poured out into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who has been given to us. The process is producing something inside of you. It is making you, listen, you're not ready yet. Listen, if you're not good with $5, you won't be good with $500,000, amen? We have to learn there's a process that we have to go through. If you're not ready right now to be in a relationship, you need to realize that don't try to jump into one. That's a word for somebody today. Don't try to jump into one. Listen, you ain't ready yet. You could keep a goldfish alive, so don't even try to be in a relationship right now. Amen? That we learn in our life that there's a process. And listen, part of the process sometimes is suffering. Part of the process is going through perseverance. And listen, why? Because it is producing hope inside of us that we may bring a blessing to somebody else. We have to know the process. Also, there's hope. It tells us in Romans chapter 8, verse 25, But if we hope for what we do not yet have, we wait for it patiently don't we hate that word patiently can i beg of you something don't ever pray for patience amen how many know that god does just come to you and go oh here you go it's in a little box with a beautiful bow on top of it usually if you ask for patience i i, I get this feeling that jesus looks over at god the father and says he didn't just say that did he that Jesus looks over at the Holy Spirit and says, really? Really? Well, let's show them. And guess what's about to happen in your life? You're about to go through something. Something that's going to teach you patience. 
Something that's going to make you have to learn patience. It won't always be easy. But listen, we need to understand that first, we've got to know to have patience, but we've got to know there's a process. Through that process, we've got to have hope. Hope to what? If God said it, God's going to do it. I may not can see it with my eyes. I may not can hold on to it yet. It may not be in my grip. But if God said it, he's going to do it. I'm going to hold on to it. I'm going to believe it. And I'm going to have faith. And that brings me next point there. How do we not lose patience? Live by faith, not fear. Live by faith, not fear. Listen, I, there, there's only really two things in this world I'm afraid of. Spiders and heights. The only thing that would be worse than a spider and being up high is being up high with a spider. <laughs> Put me in an airplane with a spider, it's going to be a bad day. Me and my daughter, Abigail, the same way. She hates spiders. Don't show one to me. Don't bring a phone and go, oh, look at this. I hate that. Years ago as a pastor, this guy came to one day with a cup. And listen, I'm not from Oklahoma or Texas. I'm from North Carolina. We don't have tarantulas because that's where God lives. And this guy brought me one day, and he had a, a tarantula inside of a cup. And I told him, I said, I'm a pastor and I'm a Christian, but I will knock you out if you show that spider to me. Now put it up. That we got to learn in our life that, listen, there's a process, but with that process, we've got to have hope. The way that we hold on to hope is by having faith and not living by fear. But let's not live out the older brother. See, the younger brother is impatient. He got lost along the way because he wanted it right then. But the older brother, he, he wasn't impatient. What was he? He had resentment. Read what it says here. It says in Luke 15, 25, Meanwhile, the older son was in the field. When he came near the house, he heard music and dancing. So he called to one of the servants and asked him what was going on. Listen, that's important what that scripture says right there. In other words, there hadn't been dancing or singing in a long time. How many know that when there's resentment in your heart, you don't feel the joy that's going on around you? You don't feel the excitement and the celebration of what God is doing? You ever met someone that's just negative? Don't look at the beside. I, I saw some of you just started going. Listen to what he says here. So he called one of the servants and asked him, what was going on? Your brother has come. He replied, your father has killed the fatted calf because he is, has him back safe and sound. The older brother became angry and refused to go in. So his father went out, pleaded with him. But he answered his father, look, all these years I have been, and listen to this phrase, this blows my mind. All these years I have been slaving. Let me like my son coming to me. Dad, all these years I've been slaving for you. Cutting the grass. Taking out the trash, making my bed, washing the car. He doesn't do that much. So, no. Can you imagine your son coming and telling you that? See, as I begin to look at this older brother, he, he has what I call the wonderful life syndrome. Am I ever watched the wonderful life? The Christmas story? Anybody know anything beyond elf? Am I the only one? 
Remember the wonderful life. And in the story, the older brother, his, his younger brother gets to go off and he gets to tour the world. But the, the older brother has to stay back and he has to take care of everything and take care of the, the bank. and he, he doesn't get the excitement of the younger brother. See, I understand that as we read this passage, yes, there's a, there's a self-righteousness there. But can I also tell you, the problem with the older brother here is not just a self-righteousness. The problem with the older brother is the resentment. Can I tell you, that brings more Christians down than anything in the world. Resentment. We look at Miss Sally sitting in the church, and she sings on the praise and worship team, and she's a great singer, and she does great. God, why couldn't you let me sing like that? Why didn't they put me on the praise and worship team? Sally got on the team, but I didn't make the team. God, why not? You can't sing. That's why not. They may pastor Woody, the youth pastor. That's not fair. Why is he? He's better with youth. Kids don't like you. So the older brother sitting at home going, listen, truth of the matter is he didn't have the guts to leave. Not that he was supposed to leave, but he looks at the younger brother who leaves and he's back home instead of seeing it as a, as a benefit, as a, being obedient to the Word of God and doing what God tells him. He looks at it way, listen, I'm mad and, and I'm resentful. This is slavery. I don't enjoy it. I'm, I'm mad and I'm upset. How to overcome that resentment in my life? Contentment. It says in Philippians chapter 4, verse 12, I know what it is to be in need, and I know what it is to have plenty. I have learned the secret of being content in any and every situation, whether well-fed or hungry, whether living in plenty or in want. I will do all this through him who gives me strength. You know how you overcome resentment? Just realize you are where you are. It's just for a season. Trust God. Believe in God. You're going to pass through it. You can fight it all you want to. Listen, I believe the Israelites, I don't know how many times, in fact, I believe there was a, a rut, almost a ditch in the middle of that desert, oh, probably just a few feet away from the promised land. But they would almost be there. They're about to get to the Jordan to cross over. And sure enough, Bob in the back would say, when are we ever going to get there? And it would start all over again. And the Lord said, all right. Go back around one more lap. Maybe next time. See, for many of us, we've got resentment. Maybe somebody's hurt us. Maybe things haven't worked out the way we thought it should. Maybe, maybe it's our own doing. Maybe it's physical. I don't know what it is. Maybe it's financial. Maybe things in your life just haven't turned out the way you thought they should. Do you think complaining and resentment and bitterness is going to get you there? No. You finally got to say, God, I may be in the middle of this, but I know that just like Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, I'm going to make it through the fire. I'm going to go to the other side. I listen, and not only would I not be burned, I won't even smell like smoke. How do we overcome resentment? Never giving up. It says in Galatians chapter 6, verse 9, Let us not become weary in doing good, for at the proper time. How many know there's a proper time? God's got an appointed time for you to be where you're supposed to be. Do what you're supposed to do. Be with who you're supposed to be with. I never forget when I met my wife. She was so hot. Was. I, woo! 
No, that is, I apologize. See, that right there, I'm in trouble, and I blame all of y'all for that. I blame all of y'all for that one. She is. But what was funny now is, is when I met my wife, at the moment that I met her, I said, I'm not dating anymore. I'm tired of dating. I'm just going to trust God. I'm, I'm just going to believe that God brings the right one in my life. That's it. I'm not dating any more models after this. I'm done. I'm in so much trouble today. And about that time, God brings this wonderful woman in my life. See, we have to know that at the proper time, God will do what he's going to do. What we've got to realize in the middle of the situation, the circumstance, the problem, the fire, the suffering, that God has got you there. Why? Because of process. But either you can say, God, I believe in you, or you can fuss and build a resentment, and all it's going to do is keep you there longer. How do we overcome resentment? Love. That's how my wife's going to overcome it today. It says in 1 Corinthians chapter 13, verse 7, and this is referring to love. It always protects, it always trusts, it always hopes, it always perseveres. When those people hurt you, and the devil comes and whispers in your ear, you need to resent them, you need to hate them, you need to be mad at them, hold on to that grudge, don't you let it go, then you've got to learn in your life, no, God's called me to love, and because he's called me to love, I will love them despite what they've done to me. Number two, write this down. First, we'll get there when we're supposed to get there. Number two, be willing to do a U-turn. My father, one time we were at a general conference. I'm, I can't remember where it was, but I remember him getting down the road and heading down the road, and I remember seeing no cars going our way. Within a few moments, as the stoplight before us changed, I realized why we were going the wrong way. It was on a one-way street. And I said to my dad, you got to turn around. No, we're okay. Oh, no, you've got to turn around. Oh, no, we're okay. He would not turn around. Finally, praise be to God, the car has gone over and we made the next turn. But how many know sometimes we've got to realize that we are going the wrong way and we've got to make a U-turn? It says here in Luke chapter 15, verse 13, Not long after that, the younger son got together all he had, set off for a distant country, and there squandered his wealth in wild living. After he'd spent everything, how many know that when you leave the Father, you will lose everything you got? Whenever you distance yourself, get a far distance away from God, you need to get ready because you open yourself up for the enemy to take everything you've got. Verse 14, after he spent everything, there was a severe famine in the whole country, and he began to be in need. So he went out and hired himself to a citizen of that country who went to him to, his, to feed his pigs. He longed to fill his stomach with the pods that the pigs were eating, but no one gave him anything. Now listen to verse 17. This is the part I want you to hear. When he came to his senses, he said, How many of my father's hired servants have food to spare? And here I am starving to death. I will set out and go back to my father and say to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and against you. 
See, we have to realize in our life that we've got to be willing to do some U-turns. Amen? How many of you know we've got to be willing to, to, to admit when we're wrong? How many of you are great at admitting that you're wrong? None of you. Oh, I thought, well, a couple of you are lying. Most of us struggle. It's like men. We, we don't like to pull over and ask for directions. Thank God for GPS now. We don't have to admit we're wrong anymore. But yet even then you were here recalculating, recalculating. And I will normally say to my wife, it's wrong, I'm right. You've got to be willing along your life that, that sin may creep up. But when it does, that we serve a God who forgives, a God who loves, a God who says, I know the mistakes that you've made. I know the failures that are in your life. All you've got to do is come to your senses and know that your Father is waiting for you. We many times believe that we've sunk too far, gone too far, that there's no coming back. In fact, to be honest with you, the son felt the same thing. I can't go be a son, but at least I can go be a servant. At least my dad's servants eat better than I'm eating. Can I tell you, even in the process of coming back to God, there will be times where the enemy will try to bring confusion and lies and say, well, you may come back, but you won't, all, you won't be the same. You won't be like you were. Listen, I've been there. I've been there when I had a, a big failure in my life and thought, how in the world can I ever come back? And remember the enemy saying to me one day, you're done. God can never use you again. How can God ever take away your past? I was driving down the road one day, and I was bawling, and I was crying. And I said, God, I'm done. How can I be used again? And all of a sudden, I felt the, the Lord speak in my spirit. And, and God said, John, your, your latter years will be far greater than your former years. You ever argue with God? I did. I said, God, you must have the wrong car. Maybe we were driving and you got in the wrong car with the wrong person. I said, God, there's no way. And all of a sudden I felt in my spirit the Lord say, John, your latter years will be far greater than your former years. And I just began to cry and guess what I did? I argued with him again. I was on my way that day to see a pastor friend of mine and as I pulled up into his parking lot, it read on the sign, your latter years will be far greater than your former years. Gotcha, God. See, I'm stupid. Sometimes God has to give me a sign. See, that's what the devil will do to you. He will come in your life and tell you, you can't come back. It's a lie. How do I do it? I've got to ask forgiveness. How many of you know that we need to ask forgiveness every day? Amen. Recite the Lord's Prayer. And part of that is forgive us of our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. Every day you need to pray, God, forgive me for my sins. How many of you know that when we ask God to forgive us, he throws into the depths of the sea never to remember them again? Amen. For some of you, that's good. Praise God. You need an ocean. Some of you get that in a few seconds. Some of you are so self-righteous, you think you just need a little creek. Lord, I need, I need the Atlantic Ocean. Amen. How, how do we overcome that? One, by asking forgiveness. Two, by repenting. It says in Acts chapter 3, verse 19, Repent then and turn to God so that your sins may be wiped out, that times of refreshing may come from the Lord. Anybody know what repenting is? 
It's very easy. You ready? You're going this way, and you turn and go this way. That's repenting. I'm not watching myself. I'm making sure I'm staying within the boundaries of this video here. In other words, God, first, forgive me of what I've done. See, all he had to do was come back. Remember, he said he apologized and asked forgiveness from his father, but he also said from heaven. There's two parts of that. One, we've got to ask forgiveness from God, but also those we sinned against. Amen. Listen, if someone comes to you and they've sinned against you, be willing to forgive them. Be willing to let them go. How do we also overcome that sin? By resistance and submission. It says in James chapter 4, verse 7, Submit yourselves unto God, resist the devil, and he will flee from you. How many of you know that the devil's not going to stop? That he's, he will find out where you're weak at. He will find out where you struggle. He will find ever whatever that issue is in your life. You may have asked forgiveness. You may have repented, but you may still struggle with it. And what you've got to do is, is you've got to submit to God, submit to His Word, submit to His plan, submit to prayer, submit to praise. And when the devil comes knocking, you resist him, you run, you do whatever you've got to do, but you don't give in to the enemy. Amen. My spiritual dad, Pastor Bob Schaefer, he told a story one time when he'd flown into an airport. When he got there, he'd been sober for a year. But when he landed and got into the airport, he said all of a sudden there was a bar over there. And he said, I could physically feel it drawing me, pulling me over there. And he said, I didn't know what to do. He said, I, I know this passage. And he said, at that moment I just said, Jesus! And he said it went away. We have to learn in our life to submit to God, and we've got to resist the devil no matter what it takes. Sometimes you have, listen, sometimes you'll be stronger than other days, amen, and, and sometimes you can fight it. But then other days we've got to realize we may just have to run. We may have to call someone on the phone and say, listen, if you don't get over here right now, I'm going to do something I shouldn't do. If you don't get over here right now, I'm going to pick up the bottle. If you don't get over here right now, I'm going to pick up the pipe. If you don't get over here right now, I'm going to do something I shouldn't do. But I know that if I resist the devil, that God's going to give me the power to overcome him. God will always give you the power. To overcome. But let's not forget about the older brother. So often we blame the younger brother, amen. But we see the older brother, it says, if the older brother became angry and refused to go in, he was throwing a tantrum tantrum. Am I ever seen an adult throw a tantrum tantrum? What have you ever seen anybody throw a tantrum? Don't look at church people. I don't do well with tantrum tantrums. I'm one of those that if I'm standing there, your child walks up and throws a tantrum tantrum, I'm going to kick him. I'm lying. I would not. I'm just playing. I would not do that. But I would look down and say, you need to pick up that child. Oh, we're just, we're just letting them be themselves. We'll take them to another room because I don't want to see them be themselves. Amen. Don't hate me. I'm just being honest. He was throwing a tantrum tantrum. So his father went out. I would have not gone out. I'd have said, stay mad and stay outside. But how many of you know that we serve a God that is a gracious God? 
So his father went out and pleaded with him. But he answered his father, look, all these years I've been slaving for you. Never disobeyed, liar. I've never disobeyed. How many of you as children never disobeyed your parents? Don't none of y'all raise your hand. See, that's what resentment does. Resentment makes a liar out of us. Not my fault. I'm not the one to blame. I have no fault in this situation. Resentment will make a liar out of you. It made a liar out of this brother. All these years I've been slaving with son, I thought I was doing you a blessing. I was your father giving you an opportunity to one day have everything that I have. I'm sorry. I didn't know you felt like a slave. You ever be that way with God? God, I've worked hard for you. I've slaved for you. I've been on the mission field and, and I've pastored and, and I've, met, I've done all these things and, and you let this happen to me? How dare you? I thought when I got saved it'd all be a bed of roses. It is, but there's a lot of thorns in the roses. It, you never gave me even a young goat so I could celebrate with my friend. Why? Do you hear the older brother lying? In the Hebrew tradition, if you remember this, remember you go back to the very beginning, he said he divided the inheritance among the brothers. The, oh, this is the older brother. Not only did he get his inheritance, he actually got a double portion. So he got twice as much as the younger brother did. And you're complaining. And you're griping. But when this son of yours has squandered his property with prostitutes, comes home, you kill the fatty calf for him. I heard a wonderful sermon recently about, you know, when, when Peter and them are, are on the boat and, and Jesus walks up on the shore and he, he gets out of the boat, he walks through the shore. Remember that? If you go down and it begins to talk in that passage, it's a great story until the part that it tells how Peter's going to die. Remember that part? And what he does is, is Peter goes, well, how about John? What about him? How's he going to die? He said, listen, if I let him live forever, what's it to you? Can I tell you to learn in your life, your relationship with God is your relationship with God and is not built around anybody else's relationship or anybody else's success or failures or anything else. Don't look at somebody else's life and say, listen, if I was only like them, listen, if you only knew how they were. The grass isn't greener on the other side. There's a lot of manure over there. That's why it's so green. Well, the grass sure looks better over there. Yeah, because they spend more time cutting it and working at it and making it look good. You're just lazy, that's why. My son, the father said, you're always with me and everything I have is yours. But we had to celebrate and be glad. I love that. We had to celebrate. Can I tell you one of the greatest joys for you as a man and woman of God is to celebrate when God brings one of his lost home. But can I also say this to you? You ready? We had to celebrate when a mistake is made in another believer's life, but God forgives them and receives them back. 
we'll forgive you, but you got to sit in the back row. We'll forgive you, but you can't work in your position anymore. We'll forgive you, but we can't talk to you like we used to talk to you. Listen, we got to learn in our life as men and women of God, if we allow resentment, what resentment will do is, is make us not love others like Christ loves others. How do we get rid of that? If you look here, it says in Ephesians chapter 4, verse 31, get rid of all bitterness, rage, and anger, brawling and slander, along with every form of malice. Can I tell you, resentment will build up and cause you to do things in life you don't want to do? i got to tell this story. My daughter's here, and she can test to it. I, we just went through a building project. We just finished it. We built a new educational wing and a new foyer and, and added to our sanctuary. Can I tell you, I understand why pastors don't like doing building projects. I was stressed beyond belief having to deal with all this stuff. And, and I didn't know it. In fact, people come to me and say, Pastor, you're stressed out. No, I'm good. I'm good. One day I'm in my car, me and my daughter and her friend and this guy starts yelling at us and, and getting mad. And, and at first I'm trying to ignore him. And next thing I know, he's cussing at my daughter. And before you know it, I'm a pastor and I'm a man of God. But I feel my daughter grab my arm because I'm about to get out of the car. Dad. We have to constantly in our life watch for the warning signs. If you're always judging others, you may have resentment. If you're always finding fault with others, you might have resentment. If you're always talking about how good everybody else has it, but how bad you've got it, you might have resentment. You've got to forgive. You've got to let go. You've got to give it to God. You've got to trust Him. And I'll close with this, number three. Never forget who you are along the journey. Never forget who you are along the journey. When he came to his senses, he said, How many of my father's hired servants have food to spare? And here I am starving. I'm going to this verse here. But while he was still a long way off, his father saw him. I love this passage. This is an example of our Heavenly Father. Do you know why he saw him afar off? Because every day he was looking for him. Every day after he had his coffee, every day after he had his breakfast, he would walk out on the porch and look afar off and see if he could see his son coming. Every day when he came in, when he was about to go in the house for the night, he would look to see if he saw his son coming. Can I tell you that the Heavenly Father never stops looking for you? The Heavenly Father is always waiting for you. The Bible says that when he saw him afar off, the Bible says he ran to him. If you know Hebrew tradition, that is against the culture. They, fathers don't do that. 
in essence, pitched up his robe, and he began to run out to him. And he ran to his son because he was excited that he who was lost was now found. He who was dead was now alive. Don't you ever think that God isn't waiting for you? You've never gone too far. And along that journey, if you fail and you make mistakes and you sin, come to your senses and remember you serve a God of grace. And it wasn't by anything you did the first time that got you saved, but by his grace. And listen, you may have messed up now, but all you've got to do is come to God and say, God, I'm sorry, forgive me. And he's right there waiting for you. But let me close with the older son. The Bible says that the father came out, talked to the son. He says, son, don't you know that everything I had belonged to you? It is my prayer and my hopes today that you would hear the voice of the father saying to you, the moment you join the kingdom of God, all his blessings, all his protection, all his anointing, it is waiting for you and it belongs to you. Along the way, there may be resentment that is built up. Along the way, there may be anger that comes. Along the way, there may be times that you're upset and mad, but when you do, you come to God and say, God, I'm sorry, forgive me. See, the same father that went out to get his younger son is the same father who came out to get his older son. It doesn't matter where you're at. It doesn't matter what mistakes you've made. And it doesn't matter what pain you're going through. The same father is always waiting for you. The same father will always come to you. Because he loves you and is blessed by you. Bow your head and close your eyes. Hallelujah. Maybe today you're one of these sons. Maybe you're the prodigal son. Maybe today you're lost. You don't know Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. Or maybe today it's not that you're lost. Maybe it's today that as a believer you've allowed some things in your life that, that don't belong, that shouldn't be there. But because of the condemnation of the enemy, the accusations of the devil, you've not been willing to come back. Maybe it's not that you've not been willing, you just didn't know you're worthy or if God will receive you back. I want you to know he does. With every head bowed, every eye closed, if you're here today, say, Pastor, I, I've got some things in my life that need to go. Some things that have got a hold of me. And the further I get away from God, the deeper in the hole, the deeper in the pit I get. And I just want to come back. I just... I just want to get this sin out of my life. I love Jesus. He's my Lord. But I want this junk out of my life once and for all. If that's you today, it's just me, you, and the Lord. Then I just want you to raise your hand right now and let me pray for you. Is there anybody? 
Yes. Yes. Lord, I pray for every hand that is raised right now. Lord, I don't know what the sin is. I don't know what the issue is. God, I know that your grace is more than enough. And I speak that grace over them right now. Whatever that is, take it out of their life. Free them today, I pray. Then maybe you're here today. You're like the older brother. You got bitterness, resentment, anger. I feel the lead of the Holy Spirit to say this. Life just hasn't been fair. Things didn't turn out the way you thought they should. If I'm talking to you today, would you be brave and be honest to admit it? Just by raising your hand right now. Is there anyone today? Yes. 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 Lord, I pray for every hand that is raised. I break off that spirit of resentment, of bitterness, of, of anger, of unforgiveness. I pray today, Lord, in the name of Jesus Christ, that it be broken and that they be freed once and for all. Whatever the situation, let them find it within their heart to ask forgiveness and to let it go. I know Pastor Woody has already done this, but I made a promise to my God years ago that I would never end a service without giving someone the opportunity to know Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. The Bible says in 1 John that it is written that you may know that you've got eternal life. If you don't know today if your life would end, if you would cease to exist, if the Lord were to come back, whether you would spend eternity in heaven or hell, then I want you to know today without a shadow of a doubt. It's so simple. Admit that you're a sinner in need of God's grace and love. Believe that He's the Son of the living God. Died for you and rose again. And confess Him as Lord of your life, and you shall be saved. If there's anyone here today, it's just me, you, and the Lord, that you would like to give your heart and life to Christ. Then right where you are, I just want you to raise your hand right now. Is there anybody? Well, praise God. Look at me today. I believe all are saved and on their way to heaven. Thank you so much for allowing me to come and be a part of your service. I pray blessings upon Passion Church, blessings upon your pastor and his wife, and that God would multiply this house, that y'all may reach the lost and disciple the believers. Amen. It's been a privilege to have you join us for this time of ministry. To find more Passion Church resources or to make a donation online, visit www.passionchurch.tv. Remember, you can't live without passion.